This is Simon Transparently Awakening the heart of humanity As we see beyond the lies And open our eyes to realize This is our time to rise Welcome everybody to another Simon Transparently And I'm hoping you're enjoying this new series of conversations With amazing beings from around the world That I get the pleasure of meeting And then bringing to you, to your ears or to your eyes uh, the conversation is always an invitation to just show up, and I always just share to everyone, including Raven today, of course, that you know we're just here. We're going to show up and see what arises through us, and simultaneously, I never know what's going to happen, and I'm not. It's not like an interview. It's more like a, a flow of whatever comes. So enjoy, and there's many others that you can listen to, and sending you a love wherever you are. So welcome today. We're with beautiful Raven. Raven, <laughs> how are you feeling, Raven? I'm good. That noise is pretty intense. Yes, that's gonna that's gonna grab us. Whenever we turn the camera on in Bali, sometimes there's this like Bali treats us with this uh, background sounds to challenge our uh, equanimity and our right. ability to show up. Right. So we just stay focused. We stay focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I don't know so much about you in terms of your past, but I really my intention for bringing you on to Simon Transparently was very much obviously we're building a friendship over the last few months mm-hmm. and I love our play and I love your raucous direct energy you know and how you show up and, and your power your intention and yeah and, and really I'd love us to begin with just maybe I know you're now teaching Tantra and you're you're supporting a lot of people around the world to I would, I would describe as you can say differently, but to, you know, to step into their power, to be the greatest version of, of themselves, mm-hmm. to, to uncover maybe some blocks or challenges, emotional traumas that they've experienced. And you, and you support people. Mm-hmm. So maybe first, like, how did that start? Where do you, why do you do that? <sighs> so my journey was that I grew up with a father who was an EFT practitioner, emotional freedom technique. And he was somewhat of an esoteric master. And I was exposed to meditation at a really early age and affirmations and thinking positively. And people like Wayne Dyer and Marianne Williamson, you know, the kind of grandmothers and grandfathers of personal development I grew up with. And I think I developed this unconscious drive to be perfect (laughs) (laughs) as many have Uh uh-huh and I was like okay I have to be loving and forgiving all the time and compassionate my mother was quite challenging to grow up with she suffered from depression and alcohol addiction and really just addicted to suffering Mm -hmm. to put it simply And I found that difficult, but my dad would give me tools to deal with that, which was to, you know, have compassion for her, meditate, feel into where I can shift my attention. Wow. And what sort of age was that? Was he supporting you to do that? Oh, like from a small child. Wow. From the time that I could kind of start to understand virtues and spiritual principles. Mm -hmm. You know, on the way to school, there would be audios on, from like Deepak Chopra and wow. yeah, Wayne Dyer, the people I'm mentioning, Stuart yes. Wilde. And I felt anxious, but 
I thought that that was because I wasn't doing good enough, like that my mind set wasn't good enough. And I didn't understand why this anxiety kind of followed me around. And later in life, when I got married and had two children and a beautiful home, great jobs, I was feeling like, why do I still have this? And something must be wrong with me. And then I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. And I was grown up with the idea that anything that manifests physically is a direct result of something emotional or energetic. So I knew, okay, if I've manifested cervical cancer, there's something going on here. And to have manifested that, the practices I'm using must not be the whole piece. There must be more than meditation, affirmation and personal development. So I got curious and I was kind of searching for different ways. I didn't want to heal the cancer through the medical system. So, And it just so happened that one day when I was picking up my daughter from school, she went to a Rudolf Steiner school, which is an alternative schooling methodology, and then she was homeschooled in high school. She was running around and I was waiting for her and while I was just watching her, it was the first time I felt a little bit of fear of death. Mm. I'd been quite calm with the news and my heart was beating really fast and one of my friends noticed me and she came over and she said, are you okay? And I hadn't really shared it with anyone. I didn't want to put energy into it. I said, well, actually, I've had an interesting diagnosis and I was talking to her. She said, oh, my ex my ex-partner is in town and he's a shaman and he actually travels around the world healing people of cancer through energetic healing. I'm like, oh, okay, this is synchronistic. So I met him the following week. Our allocated one-hour session went for five hours. Mm-hmm. We ended up in Yabyum at the end of it, which... If viewers yeah, don't, don't yeah, know, it's, it, it's, it's where you're sitting with someone and the man is typically seated on the ground, the woman is on top of him and you're aligning your chakras or energy lines. And I'd never done that before, experienced the amount of energy that was flowing between us. And I kept working with him and we ended up falling in love. I left my husband. We're still great friends. He, I was transparent through the whole journey and went on this journey into Tantra. So he was also a Tantra master, which I didn't know when I first met him. And he started to expose me to so much about the emotional body and our sexual body and how our emotional body and our sexual body are inextricably connected Mm. to our unconscious impulses. I had to start feeling rage that I'd never allowed myself to feel before, grief that I'd never allowed myself to feel before. So it was really a journey into my sexuality, my emotional body, and into who I really am. And I started taking off all of these masks of the wife and the mother and the good girl and the perfect girl. And really Tantra is a movement from trying to be perfect, some perfect spiritual being into becoming whole, into really embracing all the different aspects of ourselves. And accepting it all. Yeah, and that's what I really love about it and what really changed my life. So that's why I'm here. I'm here to help people take off their masks, get real with the emotions, stop bypassing and trying to be perfect and just say, hey, here I am, here we are. So so when you met met this, that's amazing. I think you might have mentioned that a bit to me before, but not in that that full context. So when you met him and you had that initial five... Our session. Mm-hmm. 
can you share a little bit for everyone listening? Like, because they might just be like, oh, we just met this awesome tantric guy, got yabby and did some energy work, mm-hmm. and cervical cancer was disappeared. You know? uh-huh. Like, can you just give a little bit more of like how that energy works? And what I love instantly, and I know we said we might speak a little bit about this, I know last night when we were at dinner together, but you know how so many of the practices and the modalities out there bypass the sexual center. Mm-hmm. And even what I'm hearing from you, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but you know, affirmations, positivity, you know, the Wayne diet and all that, which I, I totally vibrate with his uh, message too but sometimes it's like okay I'm just thinking I'm great and everything's good mm-hmm. but like you beautifully describe when you go into the body and you start to feel in and it was in your you know in your womb here mm-hmm. it's like and then actually the synchronicity synchronicity took you to somebody who works with sexuality mm-hmm. and then you went in because mm-hmm. you didn't do the medication uh, the medical way in the end did you, you yeah I had my womb removed okay, in the so, end yeah, so, so that this good. is another story please so yeah I mean the sexuality, the journey into my sexuality probably wasn't as impactful or profound as the journey into my emotional body. Cool. I'd learned to be such a strong witness of my experience that all of a sudden now I was giving the sensation and experience an opportunity to be expressed rather than just witnessed. Mm. So in this session, he was encouraging me to express my anger, express my rage feel what was in my cervix beyond like what what the physical manifestation was holding energetically Mm. and you know it would take me a lot to describe what happened but really in the 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 turning point of the session so yab yum wasn't right until the end and that was just this natural coming together um he said to me you're really angry and I said no, I'm not. <laughs> Most people say. Right, no, <laughs> I'm not angry. You know, I'm this love and light, spiritual girl. And he said, you are. And I feel like that's really what a big part of the creation of the cancer. Right. And he just keeps I'm like, I'm not, I, I don't feel angry about anything. And he's like taking me into my past and different parts. I said, no, you know, I can see the benefits of that and I've forgiven her and, yeah. you know, all of this. And he said, I don't believe you. I'm like, you're making me angry. That's, <laughs> that's where, where my anger is. And he's like, okay, good, so feel that. I said, oh, it's past now. And I was like, I was tough. You were, yeah, you were like just, uh, you were deflecting. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But he was, he kept pushing and pushing. And then I just fucking got up and I was just like, and pushed him. And he just went flying across the other side of the room. Wow. And he just came. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I was like. I got, I got shivers as you said that, as you said that. Just like the power, the fight or flight almost just boom, yeah. through him. Yeah, and boom. it was like all of this repressed rage from not being attuned to, not having my needs met. Mm. Um, what later got unveiled was sexual abuse that I'd completely forgotten. And when I got into Tantra, the memories resurfaced. So it was just like this tidal wave of energy. So then I was like, okay, there's, there's some anger in there. <laughs> and then he just held space for it. He yeah. just witnessed me and, and said, you know, tell me everything you've wanted to say to your mum, to your dad. And, you know, I had yeah. so much in there. Yeah. And once I unlocked that and he was supporting me to just, like, keep going, you know, what's the energy and emotion underneath that and underneath that, mm. then I just felt so emptied and just cried yeah. And so many tears. Yeah. 
And and then he held me and that's when our energies connected and we ended up in Yabyum and I, I could feel, wow, this is my next teacher. Right. And he was an incredible teacher. I spent the next five years with him. And you, you, married, you married him? Like, no, right. just yeah. entered relationship. Yeah. We started teaching together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so, and so that was a journey. Yeah. So, so he felt that the cancer had been cleared. My husband at the time, his mum had died of cancer. There was a lot of fear there and there was no way that the doctors could test if it was gone. Right. So they couldn't test the back of the womb. So I, I went, I decided to have my womb removed. I was meant to have a full hysterectomy, but they said once they went in, they could test my ovaries. So I got to keep my ovaries, which at first it was going to be everything gone. And, yeah, it was it was a huge journey and one that I don't regret. I probably would have had another couple of kids by now. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know if that would have served me. And... I feel like I have an energetic womb now. Yeah. That, that's what I worked on a lot with one of my female mentors is rebuilding this energetic womb and the yeah. relationship to that area that had been removed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I guess I guess the part of the mindfulness that I grew up with has really played a strong part in my life in terms of I do trust that everything happens for a reason. And I can surrender to life and I know that if I'm really learning what I'm meant to be learning and paying attention yes. that I'm going to be in the flow of whatever the universe has in store for me and that the universe has my back. So I find that, you know, I, I found Tantra when I was 32 and a lot of tantric people or spiritual people that I meet, I don't feel like they have the grounding of good mindset mm. and I think it's absolutely imperative yeah it's not it's not one or, or the other yeah the two need to be together yeah. and I think you know there's a place for let's go with the flow and let's surrender and trust there's also a place for manifestation and planning and being the creator of your life and when those two can meet mm. I feel like mindfulness is is more of a masculine approach going with the flow is more of a tantric feminine approach and I feel like both are necessary and actually real Tantra includes mindfulness, includes meditation. And I, when I first got introduced to Tantra, it was more just the emotional body, just sexuality. And I needed that at the time. I was, I was, I was a little too tightly held and controlled. You know, I needed to bust out of the cage right. and get loose. Yeah. Um, but when I created my Tantra school, Elia Tantra school, our Tantra school, I run it with three other people. Really, that was a journey into synthesizing or everything that I've ever learned. And a part of the journey that I haven't shared is seven years at university where I did a law degree, honors in philosophy, certificate four in anthroposophy. So I have this huge academic background right. in psychology, philosophy, law that's really supported this journey. And also, um, I just I want to say, I wanna, yeah, yeah, no, go on. I just want to just jump in there for, yeah. again for people listening. It's so lovely to hear because often there's such a exclusion of of, of these different parts, like even mm-hmm. our background, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I studied this and it can't help me. But when we start to go into that deeper journey of integration of the whole, mm-hmm. it's like same for me. Like I sort of 
when I came out of, you know, some of the things I used to do, I was like, oh, you know, what, I wasted my time, I felt. But now, as I'm showing up as I am, every little thing from the acting to the personal training to all the little jobs that I actually accumulated along the way mm-hmm. have actually supported me even now to support people. Mm-hmm. I can really mm-hmm. draw on them, yeah? Is that, that's what you're pointing yeah, to? Yeah, definitely. Draw on that, the academia, you can draw on the, uh-huh. law, the, the, the law experience. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it still shows up in the field. Yeah. Um, and, on, you were going to say something else. Well, I was going to say, and I used to train people in sales. I had a sales team and I had a business called Harmonious Mother, Harmonious Baby, where I was supporting mothers. Yes. So all of that comes in when I work with clients. Yeah, wait there, wait there. I'm going to stay there because I remember that at dinner. So just tell us a little essence of the Harmonious, because that was quite ingenious little entrepreneur, but mm-hmm. actually very, very helpful for many mothers. Mm-hmm. And I think there could be some mothers listening. So do you mm-hmm. want to just give a little juice of that, please? Well, what I noticed when I had Sadell, my first daughter, my greatest teacher by far, is that every depending on what I was thinking and feeling, she would respond to that very obviously. So everything I, I realized that whatever state I was in, she was in a similar state. And in everything I was thinking and feeling, I started to have this sense of, fuck, those thoughts and feelings are going into her. And I learned when I was studying Steiner that a baby is in the etheric sheath of a mother for the first three years. And I didn't really know what that meant at an embodied level until this moment. I haven't heard that, so yeah, express that, please. So the etheric sheath is like our energetic body and we have all these different bodies. And because we're breastfeeding and so connected to a child as a mother, they're really, we're merging with them and they're duplicating really. They're sensory organs that are learning through imitation, that are taking everything in. Yeah, so I had to really come deeper into my practice and this was before Tantra. So I came even more solid into my meditation practice, into my gratitude practice, into really deliberately entering into high vibrational states. So I read a book about the happy chemicals, you know, which really supported me and I would consciously release oxytocin and serotonin and dopamine in the body and I just noticed how calm and peaceful she was whenever I was in my centre. You know, she basically just cried when she wanted to sleep or when she wanted food and everyone around me was like, oh, my God, she's like this angel baby. And I just started sharing what I would do and people were like, oh, wow. So I'm like, okay, maybe the obvious isn't always obvious. So I created a CD called Harmonious Mother, Harmonious Baby initially and I was downloading songs when I was breastfeeding or with her out in nature and I had lots of musician friends. I was living in Melbourne at the time. So we were just like jamming and creating beautiful songs and then I created meditations around letting go of fear, Mm -hmm. around relaxing when the baby's Mm -hmm. sleeping, accepting all the different emotions that come up and wow, a whole body of work. Yeah, and really harnessing that actually there's no greater purpose than being a mother because part of my own journey was fuck. Like I'm just with this baby now. Like I've studied or I went straight from 7 years of study into becoming a mother. Mm-hmm. And I said to my dad, you know, I feel like I'm this feather in the wind now just floating along without purpose and my dad's a very calm, beautiful man. He's like Buddha or Christ incarnate. But every now and then he he's, he's Sicilian and every now and then he acts like this Sicilian, very Fire. strong, and he just like hit his fist on the table and he said, you arrogant little bitch, 
I was like, wow. <laughs> and he said, how dare you? There's no greater purpose in life than being a mother. And he got teary. And, you know, wow. in a way he mothered me as well as fathered me. And he just shared some of his wisdom and then I couldn't stop writing. He just really inspired me to share that. And, yeah, that was the journey. And then I, I formed a whole business around it. I wrote a couple of books, Amazing. ran workshops and the seven ingredients to soulful parenting and a sleep solution that right, respects our boundaries, about, right. respects our boundaries, but also honors the natural rhythms of a baby. Mm. So yeah, that's a whole another period whole, of my life. That's a whole another period, yeah. Which, mm-hmm. and, and can people still tap into that if they want to? Is that out there in the world or is it I'm just... not selling it anymore, no. but um, yeah, if anyone ever wants it, I'll just give it to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, when I meet people, I'm like, oh, I have a, an yeah. ebook that can help you. I'm exactly. going to do something with it one day and incorporate Tantra into it. Amazing. Yeah. Mm, yeah, so much coming up, and and I love I love what your father actually brought into the mix because still in our society, I feel that parents and the idea of parenting is still sort of a, a sort of secondary thing, right? There's still not a real honour and respect of the mother and the father because there's many fathers that are just taking care of their kids or even being the sort of lead parent in in that dynamic Mm -hmm. and it's almost like okay we've got to go out to work we've got to still do this and it's like missing that well actually we're bringing up a divine being here and everything that we do for them is is contributing to the evolution of our societies and our culture Mm -hmm. but that sort of sometimes gets bypassed Mm -hmm. so I love that you're that's probably something that touched your father he was just like hey you know Mm -hmm. you know this is powerful what you're doing because mm-hmm. I've even met I've met people that they think by just being a parent that's not a contribution mm-hmm. yeah it's like mm-hmm. oh I, I need to go and study I need to go and do more mm-hmm. it's like yeah and also you, you know most of your time is taken up by this child mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so honor the fact that you are do, you are contributing immensely to that so, and also it's a practice in itself yes. like anyone can meditate you know on their own right but I, I feel like you know the series that I developed the living tantra series was really inspired by the fact that living in the world, not of the world, but in the world, has been my biggest practice and having children and really keeping that witness and centre on the heart so that I can be in loving awareness, not just on the mat, but in the day-to-day. Right. And can I be in devotion when I'm washing the dishes, when right. I'm taking the kids to school? and. Yes. And really, I feel like there's a lot of indulgence, you know, I think spirituality has has become in a lot of ways mental health for the privileged. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all fucking crazy because the education system is completely fucked up. Right. And we're taught just to live in the mind yeah, and not in the yeah, body. Exactly. Repeat and regurgitate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you do have children, I strongly recommend you looking into Montessori, Rudolf Steiner, um, Reggio Emilio, alternative education systems that honour a child as a whole being who has a feeling body, who has an energetic body, a spiritual body. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really to me about can we, can life become a meditation? Yes. You know. So I always, whenever I hear that saying, I always, it reminds me of uh, Jiddu Krishnamurti because that's, that's the ultimate, right? It's all a meditation. Mm-hmm. Every single thing is a mm-hmm. meditation. Mm-hmm. But we go on the mat, if anything, and go into that space so that we, what we experience there, we bring into life, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Often it's like we go on the mat, we come off the mat, and then it's like, oh, yeah, piss off, and it's like conflict yeah. everywhere. Yeah. It's like, are you meditating? <laughs> you told me you were sitting every morning. Yeah. So it's like really getting clear on what the purpose of that is. Mm-hmm. And, and 
<clears throat> there's a few things running through my brain, but it's interesting when we talk about meditation because I feel that still there's a misunderstanding of what meditation really mm-hmm. is. Yeah? Maybe I don't even fully know, but I know mm-hmm. that it's a, it's a rewiring process. It's a sense of becoming familiar with. It's, a, it's an opportunity for me to really look inside mm-hmm. and look at the constructs of what's functioning, you know, how, how my thoughts and feelings are going, how I'm reacting, responding to life, and mm-hmm. how I'm engaging, how my behaviors are. You know, it's, like, mm-hmm. it's almost like a, a magnifying glass to go inside and look and at mm-hmm. the same time to connect to something greater than me. Mm-hmm. Right? And I find sometimes there's confusion around that. It's like, oh, I'm just going to sit in silence for five minutes. Oh, I can only do five minutes. But I, I never say don't do five minutes because that's mm-hmm. still beautiful. But the, the idea of how much you can truly see in five minutes mm-hmm. is ob- obviously less than, you know, the longer you sit. But I don't know what your, what's your interpretation of meditation or how you now integrate that with with Tantra mm-hmm. and, 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 the, and, and what you teach. Because you're, you're teaching, you, you spoke about those schooling, mm-hmm. but Aliyah school is a, a training for mind, body, spirit as well. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that, is there something there? Or do you want to? Yeah, so I think what you said is really good around the practice as the entrainment, you know, to bring it into daily life. I feel like meditation has become something which is enforced, that people are like, okay, now I should meditate. Right. When really I find it, it can be really, it can be simplified. It's, it's just a process of moving our attention from the outer world to our inner world. And, you know, in Tantra, the, the main focus is on becoming whole and integrating dualities in the body and beyond the body. So Shiva represents masculine, Shakti represents feminine. And really I see meditation as Shiva which is the masculine principle of awareness or the witnessing consciousness, coming into relationship with Shakti, with the breath, you know, with life force and just checking out what's there. And, and, you know, I used to do all sorts of things in my meditation. Okay, you know, what shadow's here and what am I doing there? And, you know, I I would get curious, but it would still be mentalised. And now I get curious in a way of just like, okay, Let's check it out, you know, and I just bring all of my awareness into the breath, into the into life force, bring Shiva into relationship with Shakti. And then, you know, what's there? So like right now, if I if I meditate while I'm sitting with you, there's there's a feeling of, you know, adrenaline that always comes when when I'm talking to someone and it's being filmed. There's a sense of comfort because I find your energy really loving. And there's appreciation for this moment. So if I was to meditate now, I could just sit in all of that, you know. It's, it's just being with what's here and, and no more trying in my meditation practice has has really supported a process of deeper embodied awakening mm. that I can then take into my life with my kids, my beloved work, whatever I'm doing. Mm. It's like, okay, you know, I've studied my own unconscious for two decades and I've looked at my patterns and my behaviours and it's been amazing and, yeah, if something comes up, I still question it, but I also find that actually if I just allow fully whatever is alive in me, then the answers unfold in inside the wisdom of my own body. 
And, and I feel like the spaces of mess within me, the spaces of chaos, the spaces of grief, anger, are the most beautiful spaces when I can just keep bringing my awareness to them and expressing what's there. So somatic meditation is something that I work with with people, which is body-based meditation so that it doesn't have to just be silent. You know, it can be that, wow, if I'm breathing in and I'm really missing my children, then part of my meditation is, oh, oh, and and I feel like what I've learned is, you know, from all those years of meditating in stillness and silence, that there was so much undischarged tension in my body. And I just am interested in discharging as much as possible. And, you know, the first kind of five years where I was getting into my body and expressing and releasing trauma and undischarged tension, there was so much there. I just thought it's never going to end. And if anyone there, if you feel like it's never going to end, if you can just let go of your attachment to it ending, that's a really good start because we have the capacity to be with it all, mm. you know, if we don't resist it. And so, so yeah, and, and then it started, it started slowly getting less and less and now I feel like mostly I've caught up. Mostly I'm just processing what happens day to day and, and sure, you know, sometimes usually when my beloved triggers me, <laughs> it's, it's reminding me of, of something, course. you know, it's reminding yes. me of my mother's control or my right. father's abandonment. Right. And then the meditation practice gets deeper. But you also then have a, what's beautiful, what I'm hearing is you then have a reference point, right? That's the whole point of going in to do the work to uncover some of those wounds. But it's not like, oh, there's more, there's more, there's more. Now there's ancestral and all that. You could go on that journey. But when you start to see the patterns come mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. by the triggers or the people, then you mm-hmm. can be like, ah, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There, oh, that's that, ah, you know, that's happened for me and Dara many times. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, there's that, there's that little wounded boy again that just mm-hmm. needed his mum. And, and okay, I can bring that in. I can uh-huh. bring, you know, it becomes easier mm-hmm. um, to, to assimilate. Yeah, and, and it's so funny. People go to workshops and retreats and learn communication tools and practices and they wonder why they're still reacting or they're still running or they're still fighting. Right. And it's because if you're not entrained at staying in your centre in just normal life, good fucking luck staying in your centre when your wounded child is up. So, you know, what I notice is that people are learning, learning, learning and then, you know, just say you and I are together and I'm needing you and in that moment of need you can't be there and you abandon me, I'm going to be like, where are you going? What are you doing? And grasp for you, mm-hmm. you know, then I'm going to get angry. Yeah, fucking go then and unleash all of that. Or I'm going to run or maybe a combination of all of it, which is that fight, flight, stress response that lives in all of us. And But if we have a practice of meditating every day and having a daily practice is so important and maybe we can speak into that, mm-hmm. It's become quite popular. Most people have no idea what's involved in having a practice. It, you know, the devotional aspect of Tantra, of spirituality, is really not given the attention that it needs right. in modern Western culture. But, yeah, so, but, but if we're used to staying with our sensations and experience, so really 
I guess I'm just realizing this now, my definition of meditation would be just every day growing in our capacity to be with sensation and experience. So that when it comes down to it, and we're in those moments of being with the people that we love, which are the most important moments, we're not being hit with a sensation that we can't fucking manage. You know, we can stay with that, we can pause. Okay, okay, and then we can do one of the practices, communication practices that we've learned, shadow work practices that we've learned. and I shake and move, release. Yeah. It's safe to release what needs to come out because, you know, we have that, that toolkit. Exactly, yeah. and the toolkit that I've developed is in my online courses, which is like toolkit for every chakra, 150-page manuals that really take people into the practices that I needed. When I entered Tantra, I was like, but where's, where's the book that tells me how to do this? I couldn't find the book. You know, I read the Shiva Sutras and different books on Tantra and sexuality. I'm like, yeah, but what do I do when this happens? What do I do when that happens? How can I commit to something which is going to create this wholeness that they're speaking of? Because I was going into all of these strong ceremonies that were really elating me, mm-hmm. sorry. No worries. That were really elating me and releasing all this mm-hmm. stuff. And But then when I was on my own, I, I couldn't do it. And I got addicted to workshops and retreats. Which many do. Which many people yeah. do. And, and that's so, where we feel free, right? Many people keep going there because like, okay, this is the environment I want to be in. This is where I get to express myself uh-huh. freely. This is where other people are also showing up in a similar way. So uh-huh. it's sort of understandable that it gets a little bit more-ish. For sure. Yeah. And that was my inspiration for creating the Living Tantra series is can we live this in everyday life? Right. Can we actually bring the the mundane and the profound together so that we don't need, you know, I love ceremonies, I love extreme experiences, of course, but, but when we need that in order to feel awakened, then the craziness that we're trying to heal is just being perpetuated. Right, it's just another, it's another form of crazy. It's crazy to expect that... We're always going to have pleasure. We're always going to be in these elated states because pain and pleasure are always going to be in the flow of life. Joyful sacrifice is needed sometimes for the people that we love. So I feel like the tradition of Tantra gets lost and deep within the tradition is this space of devotion of coming into the practice, you know, having that designated space and time to come into the practice and then, as you beautifully said, filtering that into our daily life. It's like, you know, I have a blanket that I always use in my practice and that's that's tantric sages, you know, they do that to accumulate the meditative energy. And when I read about it, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll get a blanket. Didn't really understand it. But, wow, every time I put that blanket on, sing mantra, look at a deity, I'm tapping into these practices that have been around for thousands of years that have accumulated energy and then I get to be a part of that and people don't understand that you know tantra is not about sexuality it's a small portion of it but because no other spiritual tradition acknowledges spirituality and relationships actually as a spiritual path then tantra becomes all about that but sexuality and relationship is only a small part of tantra you know tantra is deity worship, you know, meditating on gods and goddesses right. so that we can connect with their anthroposophical forms and bring them in through song and realise our human potential because we have the potential within us to not just be limited by the mind and by this human personality. We have access to 
you know, goddess Durga's warrior energy or, uh, you know, Parvati's devotion or Tripura Sanderi's sensuality that connects sex and spirit and all these different deities that, pe- that again, have become popular that pe- but people don't really understand that to worship a deity is to become one with that deity. It's like you're tapping into the field of that wisdom, which is actually beyond the deity, right? It's mm-hmm. actually beyond the, the physical that sometimes we get caught up in. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's not just this person that mm-hmm. I'm actually devoting to or listening to or honouring. I'm receiving the energetic transmission from them through them that's in the collective right yeah. so you're tapping into a much b- bigger broader field of power actually so and, you're, and you're taking that power it's like a charge yeah, yeah and realizing that i am that which is you know exactly. i am that i am yes and really that oneness the namaste of really you know my soul my spirit sees your soul your spirit and we're one that that's with everything and when I see women, you know, talking about goddesses and awakening the goddess and, yeah, all this popularity around spirituality, I, I sometimes feel sad because I can see that the, the point of it's been missed. Right, well, it's become a little bit commercial, right? Like we do yeah. this in the West, don't we? I don't want yeah. to generalise here, but we sort of take something and, you know, whatever it is and we make it fashionable, don't mm-hmm. we? You know, whether it's yoga or meditation, you mm-hmm. know, we can make it look cool. Mm-hmm. Right? The Western population have a way of making shit look cool, right? Yeah. But the, and I don't want to dismiss them, you know, everyone's in their own perfect journey, but the mm-hmm. idea of, of what is required sometimes... I like to see it like this because, you know, I'm quite extreme with my, my practices and so on. And, and you know, it's like, I, it's hard to describe this fully, but whenever I practice over a long period of time, I, I break, I, it feels like I break through layers of filter and conditioning that are still there, but often subtle. And I'm moving through them to access this sort of more open space of bliss and joy and mm-hmm. so on, where the identification of who I think I am and all my little stories, whether it be, you know, my retreats or a book I've written or whatever mm-hmm. I'm identifying to that somehow makes me think that I'm somebody, the little me, mm-hmm. all of that just starts to dissolve. Mm-hmm. It just, it just moves away. It's like, mm-hmm. it just, you know, it filters, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm consistent, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. and, and, <clears throat> on some level, I meet many people that don't have that, and maybe I don't need that, but I notice what changes when I come out of that discipline. I call it discipline, right? When I come out of that discipline mm-hmm. or that de- dedication, devotion, personally, me, just my experience, I'm not ready mm-hmm. to just drop out of that completely because mm-hmm. I notice how my reactive time changes. Mm-hmm. I notice how I'm much more... Um, not aggressive, but, you know, reactive, you mm-hmm. know, just overreactive, mm-hmm. you know. I, I notice how I, I don't embody the, the spirit in the sense of how I engage with nature or how I look at, um, you know, I told you yesterday about my experience with the butterfly. You know, it's like <laughs> all of that, that can just all of a sudden just dissolve, right? Mm-hmm. But when I'm open and more uh, awake, you could say more aware, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, now I'm in that play of wholeness. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm feeling interconnectedness to, to it all. Mm-hmm. But I'm having to, um, Joe Dispenza describes it like with meditation sometimes. I mean, he, he, he talks about the analytical crust. And you have to sort of, I know this might sound a bit masculine, but you have to break through that analytical crust, you know, mm-hmm. and then the space moves and that an- an- analytical mind dissolves and we drop into different brain waves. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden we start to experience life in a very different way. I mean, mm-hmm. now I'm talking about like when you're tripping or whatever, you know, maybe, maybe people take plant medicine or they take 
whatever mushrooms and all this and you start to have these sort of breakthroughs into different realms mm-hmm. that's what you can access i feel through meditation through mm-hmm. catharsis through through mm-hmm. laughter mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's all about balance and what i see with you is that you really embody love and you can feel the practice in your being that you're such a gorgeous loving free individual and then you're also not so hanging on to that so tightly right. Right. that you're you know identified with being a spiritual person and I love what you're saying about disidentification because when we can let all of that fall away it's like what I love about the my practice is yeah I'll sing mantra and and I love to look at deities and really call their energy into my being and then I love to just go and what's what's here and I love the permission that being held in the tradition of tantra gives me to just fucking be wherever I am mm-hmm. fully exactly. and and vibrate that energy and not have to just be in the oh, right. but also be in the oh, yes. and the wildness and the play and to follow my desires and trust my desires and go for what I want and and really not yeah not not bypass any of that stuff yeah. but also realize that we can hold a level of awareness and loving our being through the energy that's generated in our practice and bless people's lives with that. And that's what I'm really interested in yes. is, you know, how much every every person's life that we touch, how deeply can we give them permission through our own being to, to be fully themselves? Right, to, to step into their own wholeness. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, and there's so much bubbling, but I want to go back. I want to go back and um, there's a couple of things. First of all, as you were talking earlier, I loved how you dropped in and I want to just say to people, I'm hoping you, those watching or listening, if you took a moment when, um, when Raven just dropped in and said, ah, what am I feeling now? There was just this, this moment where I completely felt the same, just dropping in. And then that awareness of like, you know, what's in this field now? What am I feeling? What's inside? What's around in the peripherals? You know, seeing Eric, you know, it, it, you, by doing that, dropped me in. To mm-hmm. a, and it's so, I mean, what is it? Like 10 seconds, 20 seconds, mm-hmm. right? And again, just these little moments, I feel, for those listening or watching, just shows that we can just drop in at any moment. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to really, we don't need to talk more on that, but I really mm-hmm. wanted to just, you know, put a cap on that and, and really acknowledge that. And then I love, something was popping up. Life becomes sensational mm-hmm. when it's sensational, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and what yeah. I've just taken from you in the last however long we've been, we've been flowing is just like, you know, it gets this sense of like you're feeling it all. And when you allow that to just allow those sensations to mm-hmm. be there without even judging them, whether they're mm-hmm. right, wrong, good or bad, you mentioned grief and sadness, anger, whatever's moving mm-hmm. through you, it's like it's energy moving through you. Mm-hmm. And I sort of saw you as this like, you know, this this energy, right? Just moving with whatever's there and mm-hmm. allowing it. And, and it shows up in different ways and like you described. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I can't have a conversation with you without just having a little bit of a talk. We don't need to do too much, but I know we mentioned this last night, but just a little bit because you've described it feels today, which is lovely. We sort of covered many, many different parts, yeah? Mm-hmm. And this idea of how Tantra brings in the, the sort of journey into wholeness and the embodiment of all that. And owning, I like this saying of like owning our shit, mm-hmm. right? Which, you know, which that guy that you met, you know, he really took you into that. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, you're cool. You've got it all down, but there's something there. I don't believe you. And then you went into it. It's mm-hmm. like, wow, yeah, there is. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be described a little bit as like shadow work, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like people don't want to go to that raft. Mm-hmm. And you said something as well, lovely. You said, okay, just, you said to the people watching and listening, you said, well, just whatever's there, let it be there. 
and don't identify to it, right? But that can be don't identify to the need for it to be something else as well. Mm-hmm. Don't get caught, caught up in that. And what's your, what could you give today just as a sort of closing of our talk today around shadow work? Because it's also become a little bit commercial mm-hmm. in the Western world. Like, do your shadow work, you know, mm-hmm. go into your shadows. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, me and I speak to Eric and Dara and so on, like we feel there's such a richness when we don't bypass the wound, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the painful points that we've picked up along the way. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what you want to, is that, is that cool to sort yeah, of yeah. share a little bit on that? Yeah, well, I think that first of all, if anyone's going to venture into shadow work, what's really important to note is, and in regards to everything we've been talking about, is that the capacity to be with sensation and experience is also the capacity to be in bliss and orgasmic and laugh, you know. When, I, when I'm at a restaurant and I'm eating and I'm like, mmm, tasting everything or laughing raucously or jump up and hug someone, that's just as socially unacceptable as if I was crying or raging, right? right? And I'm not talking about raging at someone, but, you know, I've been in cafes before and I've felt angry and just like, oh, and just had to let a bit of that energy run. <laughs> and everyone's like, walking by, walking by, okay, what's, uh, what, did she, what did she just eat? <laughs> yeah, and I refuse not to be where I am. So I often shake things up, but people are interested. Yes. And, and they're either re- repelled by it and just can't handle it or they're drawn towards it. And I've had actually quite a few people come to my workshops or have sessions with me just from meeting me in, in a shopping centre right. or in a cafe. <laughs> like, I've got to see you again. So, so I want to predecess, like shadow work can sound sinister. And so I want to predecess it with, you know, life is about balance and what I see a lot on the spiritual path is this intense like let's go in and do our shadow work and let's analyse this and let's do this and let's do that and it's like I was there and I would say like also just follow your bliss and don't take it all so seriously. Actually, the change that you want happens when you stop trying to change. When you can be with your sensation and experience and keep growing in your capacity for that, what's unconscious will unravel and shadow work is about what's making unconscious conscious it shows up including our including our golden shadows the things that are amazing about us you know i like that term you said i haven't heard anybody say that the golden shadows yeah and and you know the shadows is what's unconscious and it basically it's an accumulation of everything that we were criticized for so maybe we were criticized for taking up too much space or being too beautiful. You know, I had one client, her mum used to say to her, you know, you don't, you don't want to get too much of a big head yeah, right. and think that you're beautiful. Right. And she had this whole dysmorphia and she remembered this moment just by being with the sensation and experience that was arising as I was giving her body work. So, you know, or just say we've heard um, sexuality is bad or pleasure is bad. These are all golden shadows, you know, that actually bring a lot of joy, bliss, abundance into our lives, you know, beliefs around money. So, and then, you know, there's things that were, that were relegated to the shadows that are the energies that are a bit harder to be with, which is like, don't be angry, don't, don't be whingy, yeah. um, don't be needy. Uh, you know, get above yourself. Yeah, all, all of these different things. So basically what we relegate to the shadow is anything that's been disapproved of and what becomes our persona or the mask we wear, our good girl and our good boy, is all the things we're praised for. So like in my own personal life, 
I was an intellectual, I was the smart one, I was the one who always had control over everything, I was very praised for my stability, my sense of stability and I was also praised for performance, you know, I did a lot of acting and it's like, oh wow, you're such an amazing performer. So I had this this mask on of, I guess, the, the teacher because I was always giving advice, the stable one, the centred one, the intelligent one the performer and but there was so much more to me that when I started looking into and being with myself a lot more I'm like wow you know I'm also very vulnerable I also have these frailties inside of me I'm also very angry I'm also very sexual and mystical and all of these different parts that we discover so true power lies in being with ourselves so deeply that actually we start to uncover some of these energies that wouldn't otherwise be conscious. And, you know, people go into spirituality with like, I need to fix this, I need to get rid of this, I need to do this. But if the issues in our lives or the blocks in our lives were what we were conscious of, then we would be free, right? Right. Because we're conscious of it, we would free ourselves of it. It's what we're not conscious of. And, And to get to what you're not conscious of it requires, it requires being held in a strong practice. It requires knowing methodologies. I've got an eight-week course called Ignite Your Power. And really when I feel like people have grown enough in their capacity to be with sensation and experience and to truly be with themselves, then they can go into this course, which really allows them to dialogue with their shadows, to become energies that have been mm. put down from their parents. And basically we just duplicate our parents. Right. You're a duplication of your mum and your dad. Right. And maybe you didn't like certain things, so you're like, no, I'm not going to be like that, but it's actually still there right. and you need to look at it. And sometimes energies that we are that are holding us back, they're not even ours. We need to give them back to our parents actually. Right, you know, ex-lovers or whoever we've like picked them up from. Yeah, I, I think with parents, you know, the primary way we learn in the first seven years of life is through imitation. A lot of people don't understand that. So we, we go, okay, this is what it means to be a man, a woman, our beliefs around money, relationship. If you haven't looked at that, that's step A. Well, actually step A of shadow work is get to know yourself, learn how to meditate. Step B is have a look at your childhood and go, okay, in those first seven years, who who were my primary role models of imitation? Because basically, even if I'm not aware of it or trying not to be like that, those beliefs I've taken on. Write that list down of like who was was around, who was in your mum's circle, that circle, what was, you know, who you were mimicking. Yeah, and, you know, my mum had a belief that you have to save like 90% of what you earn and maybe spend 10%, right? And every time I spent money, I felt guilty, but there was this part of me that would want to spend that was rebelling against that. And I remember when I really looked at this and and then I let that shadow run in my own body because we have to allow those energies to run through our body. And I was like, I just want to keep money. I don't want money to go anywhere. Money has to stay here for me to be safe. <laughs> and, you know, it was, yes. and, and I'm like, fuck, that's intense. And, and if you want to practice something like this, it takes a lot of awareness because then you need to disidentify with that 
chat to that and actually see what that energy needs. And bring love and awareness to that, right? Because yeah. Because around, especially around money, sexuality, which are linked and everything else that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. When those shadows come up, or this has been my experience, is that they want to be loved and acknowledged. Right? Not gotten rid of. Right. Like we try right. to get rid of them. don't want to cut them away. Like I don't want to show that part of myself. But actually mm-hmm. they want the awareness and love and, and even, yeah, just that acknowledgement of like, hey, it's okay. Like when I do the same one-on-one work or work with groups, like it's okay to, to listen to that little you to now talk to the older you and just have a dialogue and say, hey, it's, it's okay, yeah? Mm-hmm. You know, you were scared then. That was a story that you took on, but it doesn't matter and it's okay mm-hmm. now. We're out of that. We can let that go, you know? You can start to have these, like, internal di- gestalt style, which I know that we've done a little bit of, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, an, another important part is we don't need to let go. The energy just needs to transform. Right. And And... these shadows actually hold our greatest power. Mm -hmm. So I think that what's even more important is to connect with that. So when I connected with that shadow and I said, what what do you actually need? That that shadow needed not only my love and acceptance, but what it also needed was for me to see money as a goddess, right, and to see it as something that... That, that I don't just give if it's not worthy of, which was like a good part of my mother's teachings. Like these shadows have power and they have jewels, but when we give them what they need, they grow up and they transform into our allies mm. instead of being these parts of us that are holding us back. Mm. So, you know. What, Transmutation. Mm. Yeah, and when I went to the other cushion, it's a practice called Feed the Demons. It's um, Shodan. He he came up with this practice. I call it feed the shadows because people were freaked out with the word demons. <laughs> Who are you feeding? Feed those demons. But it's like you ask, what what do you want? And you know what the shadow wanted was what I described. Just I want money. I want money. I don't want to give it to anyone. What it needed was to feel the energy of money as something that isn't just given freely. That it's like, are you worthy of the goddess? And then what that would provide it with, this shadow, is safety in spending money, actually. Now, there's no way I would have been conscious of that. And then when I went to the other cushion, what you do then is you feed that shadow with what it needs. So I just, like, imagined that I was feeding it with this nectar of, like, oh, money is a goddess and you're allowed to spend money. You know, you can spend it when it's being spent, that's something worthy of the goddess and feeding it, feeding it, feeding it, and, when, and it transformed in, from this, like, tight-ass kind of gremlin energy to this energy that was, like, giving money, kind of like Lakshmi, you know, being filled with money and giving money and going, yeah, I can spend money on beauty and truth and, you know, beautiful clothes because I love beautiful clothes but I'd feel guilty for that. Right. And, you know, from that process to this day, whenever I spend money, I feel like I'm giving the goddess and if I go to spend money on some on shit basically you know stuff I don't need or stuff where I'm just in avoidance then then I'm not giving that money so that shadow taught me that and actually when it when I integrated that shadow which is the end of the process there was this new elegance that came into my being that can be really generous now without guilt or shame that can mm. buy things without guilt and shame but that can also open to the abundance of money. And I could tell you about so many practices I've done with shadow work mm-hmm. where when they've become integrated, 
they've shifted into stronger boundaries or greater expression. They don't need to be let go of. They need to be integrated. And And, and if anything, used and welcomed. Yeah, yeah. And that scared little girl, now she's she's this vulnerable princess who can ask her beloved for the first time in my life after a process I did for what she needs. You know, one process I did with her, she needed to be taken care of. And I had a lot of judgment around that, but actually when I fed her with that energy of being taken care of, she transformed into this princess that was actually okay with being a princess. And, and I think that that's really important. And, again, in spirituality there's this, there's this pressure to be perfect and to get rid of anything that's not seen as I, I, as idyllic. Ideal, yeah, idyllic. Yeah. Whereas actually it's all perfect. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Woo! <laughs> Nice. There, well, there was a lot of juice there for you all. I hope you can take something from that. I mean, one thing I'd love to say in there, listening to you, it's so beautiful that it came around money, is just to sort of bring in a little shift that happened for me, actually. You was using the word spend and spent. And, and actually, one of the things that helped me when I was also, which it sounds like you're doing anyway, it's just terminology, but it was like I started to realize that I'm investing. And it sounds like that's what you, every time I uh, give something whether it's my time my energy money energy in anything i'm investing it so i mm-hmm. i'm investing into you i'm investing it into this podcast i'm investing it into eric eric invests it back into me and it's like this change of, mm-hmm. of actually it's like we're all you know playing with this energy in a much more a much more consensual loving way basically uh-huh. you know not like what can i get from you and what can you give me but actually what can i give because i know mm-hmm. it's also coming back tenfold mm-hmm. and that's actually funny enough I'm going to end with it on this, but that's actually simultaneously linked to our pleasure because the more we give ourselves pleasure mm-hmm. without that shame, guilt, and all that other stuff attached, we have more pleasure to offer mm-hmm. and we receive more pleasure from the bounty of this gift of life. Mm-hmm. So mm, thank you. I mean, we could talk, we, we could have went off on strands there, and I, but I feel, I feel this has been a beautiful first conversation of ours and I think that many people listening can extract a little gem or two from what you shared. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate you showing up, being in your fullness, being mm-hmm. in your realness. And um, yeah, I appreciate you yeah. too. And just, you know, <laughs> just being you, I really enjoyed our time together. Mm-hmm. And, I've enjoyed, and I've enjoyed your, your way of seeing me. I really appreciated that mirror. So I want to acknowledge you for that. And may we continue to shine and share our love and, and hopefully inspire more people into wholeness. Mm, thank you for having me. <laughs> Hug. Woo! Mwah. This is our time to rise.